0: Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Journey to a Dream podcast with me, Beth Espy, talking to racers about why they want to ride specifically on the Isle of Man. Now, our racer today has made that dream come true, but the dream does not end there, as we'll find out.
1: My name is Jack Fowler. I'm 31 years old now, from the northeast of England, born in a town called Yarn near Middlesbrough. Currently, working as a motorcycle test rider for Royal Enfield. I've competed at the Manx now for four years, making my debut in 2018, and hopefully will keep coming back for many more years to come. Do you know, I was quite a late starter to motorbikes in general and motorcycle racing. And my my dad competed before I was born, long before I was born. He, he raced at the Manx in the early 80s and Northwest 200 and club racing in the UK and things like that. But he stopped before, like I say, before I was born. So by the time I came around, motorcycles weren't really in my life. Uh, I guess you could say they were always in my blood. But I remember my dad's uh, bikes being in the garage, his old race bikes being in the garage. But at a young age, you know, I was never exposed to it. I, I kind of got into motorbikes naturally through finding an interest in them. And to be honest, it was actually the Isle of Man which created that interest. So in 2003, my dad was actually working back on the island, and I came over in June to watch the the TT, which made sense as he had a house and everything that he was renting over there. So I was on the 11 at that at that point, and we used to go out and watch the evening practice. It was in practice week, and it absolutely blew my mind straight away. It, as it does with many first timers, and especially at that age. So I kept going back to watch the TT and some of the Manx Grand Prix every year. It was never really on my mind about me getting into motorcycles as such, but I used to I used to absolutely runish going back to the TT. You know, it was as soon as Christmas was out of the way with, June couldn't come round fast enough. But to be honest, it's still that way as a grown adult a little bit. So. I got into motorcycles naturally, again, through the interest. My dad never forced me into it or anything like that. Bought a road bike when I was 16, did my, did my test when I was 16. and bought myself a little one, two, five, progressed to a, a 600. Used to go out riding on the road with my friends, um, on the weekend and whatnot, probably, probably riding a little bit silly like you do. I then decided to yeah, book a tractor just out of interest. Started doing track days in 2014, I think it will have been. Found that I was really enjoying them and found that I had a bit of natural ability where in life previous I'd never really found a sport that I was totally into. So when I got into doing track days, I thought, okay, this is, you know, this feels a bit more like home to me and this could be for me. And that just progressed into starting to club race in 2015, a year later. Again, I never I never had any goals or ambitions at that stage of what I was going to do if I would really like it. For example, competing at the Manx Grand Prix was was never on the, on my radar at that stage. It was only when I started club racing in 2015 that I started to enjoy it more and more and more and you start taking things a little bit more serious and still at this point I was coming to the TT to watch some of the Manx Grand Prix and I was probably a couple of years into club racing before I you know, maybe this is something I should, I should think about doing. I had such a, such a love and such a passion for the, for the Isle of Man in general.
0: It's really interesting though, that your dad was racing. And and as you say, he gave that up before you were born. I just wonder what sort of conversations you had with him about it, what his reaction was. I mean, did you find out why he gave it up?
1: Yeah, I think it wasn't through injury or anything like that. I think it was, it was more a case of he'd been doing it for a number of years and he began working away. and Then the the thought of having kids was obviously on his radar. So I've got a brother that's three years older than me. So, you know, I guess just life got in the way a little bit more than anything is the reason he stopped. So like I say, when, when I was born in 91, he'd probably been stopped for five or six years. And and when he stopped, he totally stopped. He walked away from it completely. So that's why I say that I was never really that aware of, of motorcycles from a young age because he, he'd, you know, he was busy working and and doing the, the things in life you need to do to raise a family and whatnot. My dad's been great all the way through it. He's been my biggest supporter, biggest help sort of mentally, financially, coming everywhere with me from, from day one. And he's never ever pushed me into doing anything. It's you know, every decision I've made, it's been my decision with his his support. And and not only his, the the rest of my the rest of my family, but yeah, and my dad's been a huge help. Um and he was kind of just, you know, whatever you want to do, you, you go for it, sort of thing, and, and he'll support me, which I think in hindsight is the is the best way to be. Um you, you see in many sports, don't you, that maybe if someone's got a pushy parent and it sometimes backfires and doesn't work and So yeah, we, we sort of started the started the journey together all, all through me saying, Well, I you know, I quite fancy having to go at this and whatnot and he he he's always been supportive supported with it and but by the time I began racing, he'd been out of it a very long time. So we, we sort of both started learning together again, really, with certainly with how technology advances, what we were starting with was very different from what he, he raced with all them years ago. You know, the first couple of years were quite a learning curve for, for both of us.
0: But I suppose he really had the, the benefit of understanding can I call it an obsession or the you know the drive to do what you were doing
1: yeah yeah definitely I mean I, I just said there that things have changed a lot things have in some sense again particularly with with motorbikes the things that have changed the most in the years is technology uh, tyre suspension progression all that sort of stuff but but also on the other side of that the basic fundamentals are still very much the same mm-hmm. in terms of Dedication and time and effort that goes into racing, the, the atmosphere, the camaraderie, the atmosphere and the paddock, all the fun and friends that you you make throughout the years was was all very much the same. So, in a way, he's he's probably well, he, he is reliving a lot of that through through me, I guess. But yeah, the the fundamentals are still the same in terms of the the sheer sheer commitment and dedication you've got to have to start racing, especially when you when you start thinking of. Not not only just road racing, but coming to the Isle of Man because yeah, you need to have that extra level of focus and dedication, I think, for a number of reasons. Probably safety being the biggest one. You know, you, you have to really up your infrastructure, your van, your bikes, your spares, all of this sort of stuff. It grows massively. But yeah, touching on your question there, I think that it is fundamentally still still very similar to to how it was. So he has the respect for it already and because I've been going to the TT for so many years and I've seen so much over there, good and bad, that I think I started with quite a, a level head on my shoulders that I was fully aware of what I was getting myself into. The commitment and the, the risk and all of these things, really.
0: Would you say there's much that you've maybe sacrificed, Jack, because of of wanting to follow this dream?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of things that probably shown more in the last couple of years. I would say financially, uh, you're very stretched when you're racing, and and I mean really stretched, and that's, that's like all year round, it's not just the that particular couple of weeks that you've got the event or whatever, you know, absolutely everything is stretched to chase that goal, I think a lot of people probably that aren't involved in racing as such, but maybe fans, probably don't see just how much goes into competing at something like the Max Grand Prix. And when the vast majority of us are just working class people, it's uh, it's incredibly difficult to do. So number one is probably definitely financial, and I would say number two, the, the big thing that I've noticed more probably as I've got older is the it's just the time that you need to put into it. Um, and I, again, I don't just mean the the couple of weeks that you go away for the race meeting. I mean, you know, le- leading up to the Manx or the Southern Hundred, I'm in the garage for four or five hours a night probably for for weeks and weeks, just building bikes and prepping everything, making sure absolutely everything's in the the best condition it can be. So, you know, that naturally puts a strain on your family. Of course, it's going to. um, And it's trying to find that balance between not being overly selfish with it because... It is naturally a selfish sport. I've got a, an incredibly supportive wife. I genuinely couldn't do this without her because we do sacrifice a lot, whether it's time spent seeing each other or maybe other things we should be doing in life, whether that's holidays or work that always needs to do in the house. You know, all of, all of this sort of stuff kind of has to take a back foot for a, a period of time. I'm actually looking out the window now at the list of DIY that I need to get on with for the next couple of months to make up for the couple of months I've spent racing bikes. So it's it's all a bit of a trade-off and a bit of a balance. All of that time it goes into a 10-day event or whatever and you blink and it's over. and It's just, yeah, it's just unbelievable and you, you really do need that support network around you.
0: I'm constantly fascinated, certainly when we think about the finance side of things and I know some people I've spoken to have found it quite difficult looking for things like sponsorship, because there's that feeling that this is your hobby, your passion, and it's yeah. hard to ask other people to support that sometimes.
1: It's it's incredibly difficult. Um, sponsorship is something that I've, I've always really struggled with in my racing career, so to speak. I don't really like asking people for money. Nobody does really. Try to find that person who has a, a genuine interest in the sport and yourself who maybe has a few quid to spare through a successful business but then you know you throw the last few years into it with the pandemic and the cost of living crisis that's just another thing added into an already tough task of finding sponsorship and yeah it's it's incredibly tough and I always make sure that my my bikes are presented as pristine as possible and myself and my team and my setup to respect the sponsors and and showcase the sponsors as, as best as possible but yeah, in, in terms of trying to attract sponsors in the beginning, it is very tough because like you touched on there about it being our hobby, I kind of joke with some of my friends and say it's a bit like going up to someone and say, saying, I've got this hobby that is you know incredibly exhilarating. I absolutely love it, but I want you to pay for it in a way. And it, it sounds a bit backward. I, I say that term loosely as a bit of a joke because I always want to give something back to my sponsors as well but it's incredibly difficult to find and i've had discussions with people in the past where they'd be willing to commit and give you some money and i'm grateful for everything you get but i also think a lot of people just just don't understand how much things cost in in racing you know it's it's obscene really to run say at the manx grand prix even the guys that are running at the back of the grid are are putting everything into it. They're putting everything they have at their disposal into it. You might find there's some really, really good riders that unfortunately aren't getting the results because the machinery maybe isn't quite up to spare. It's just the way the cookie crumbles a little bit. But it's it's incredibly, incredibly difficult. And I do wish people would appreciate that a bit more and try and get behind it as well because I, I do think that you get some you get some fantastic coverage racing at these these bigger events.
0: It must be frustrating i guess if you're in that position and you know perhaps that your ability outstrips what you can actually afford at a given time then
1: yeah massively i mean i'm not going to play a little violin and pretend like i don't have good equipment because my bikes are pretty good but they're certainly also not the best it can be frustrating when you you finish an event and particular position you think well you know I know that if I had that I'd be up there it's all if, buts and maybes isn't it and I'm sure there's, there's guys behind me as well that are thinking the exact same thing so I, I'm quite fortunate with with what I've got but you can only do your best with with what you've got and I don't think it's healthy to waste energy thinking what if because it is only a what if you need to try and fix that yourself you know whether it's through trying to get the sponsors or doing those extra few shifts at work, whatever, whatever it may be, to, to help you progress.
0: Well, as I'm talking to you, Jack, I'm looking out the window here in Douglas Head across a very grey, rainy Douglas Bay. And uh, we're a couple of weeks since MGP finished. The Blues well and truly set in because, as you say, I mean, there's so much that goes in to making sure you're you're ready for that event. What do you do the moment it's all finished, you're packed up, you're back home? how do you cope with that sort of I don't know or, or maybe for, for you
1: is it a relief I don't know do you know what it's, it's funny that word relief I'd never think of it like that but I, I think I think it is in a way because if you're back home and you are safe and you find a good couple of results there's there's a relief in that so I, I touched on the time that you've got to spend earlier that there's maybe a relief in I can now think well okay i don't have to spend so much time preparing now i can kind of relax sit back and think about next year's plans and when we get on with those diy jobs that have, have been stacking up over the summer and yeah there is an element of relief but ultimately the, the come down from it is is just unbelievable when we spoke about doing this beth i said i was so tired and I, honestly for like seven to ten days after getting getting home i was just exhausted i was absolutely exhausted it's just it's so mentally challenging racing over there it's physically challenging as well no doubt mentally it's just like I don't think there's a way you can prepare yourself for the mental challenge I really don't because it's just like nothing else you'll ever do and we had quite a busy year this year with a few issues in practice we just minor things but it just meant that I never really got a second to to relax throughout the the MGP festival I was just I was either out riding the bike or back in the awning fixing and prepping the bike for the next day and so on it was just a bit of a whirlwind this year you know we, we finished on that bank holiday monday which you touched on the weather there it was delayed for the weather and it meant that we we didn't finish till later in the day and before i know it we were packing up the next day and we were back home on the ferry and was kind of just thinking like god what that you know what the hell's just happened for for the past 10 days and it's 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 difficult at times to try and remind yourself to to take a breath and, and enjoy what you're doing, you because know, you can get a bit you can get a bit wrapped up in the the emotion, I think. And you, you naturally want to do the best job you can with your results. So you you maybe start overthinking that a little bit as well. And um yeah, it's just it's it is it's exhausting, but it's you know, the, the Manx Grand Prix is definitely the the best thing i've ever done in in my life you know for, for a number of reasons i don't just mean flying around the racetrack i just i just mean the people that i've met and the, the camaraderie and the atmosphere and the the enjoyment you have over there and you know i've made friends for life on my on the island and i've also got a huge passion for the isle of man in general you know racing aside so it's it's definitely the best thing i've ever done and and all of this effort that i'm speaking of is it's definitely worthwhile it's just um it's just mind-blowing a little bit at times and yeah it's it the, the mental the mental battle you go through is 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 quite unbelievable it really is
0: and that's interesting isn't it as you say this wasn't your first time or even your second or even your third time this year yeah does it get any easier then or is it just
1: different it's a good question i think some things get easier i remember my new come a year it was a whirlwind for different reasons. I think your nerves are probably considerably heightened as a, as a newcomer. When you arrive at the Isle of Man three, four days before practice starts, there's an awful lot of admin you've got to do with your your briefings, technical briefings, signing on. You've got to get all your kit checked by the scrutineers. You've got to get your pit lane equipment checked. There's an awful lot of things to do. And then you've got the general nerves of what's about to happen. That's definitely heightened as a newcomer, but I think you you get that every year you go back. To be honest, and I was feeling a different level of nerves this year because I had some good seeded start numbers, so I was putting a little bit of pressure on myself. I think to to do well, and that's the first time I've ever had that feeling whilst competing there. So that was a bit of a different thing. It was all my own fault. It was only me that was putting the the pressure on myself, and I've learned an awful lot. From that and how to manage that going forward, but no, it, it probably doesn't get any easier. You just become a bit more aware of things like those little jobs that I just touched on when you when you go back in your second and third year after being a newcomer, things like that become natural to you. But but when you're up there on on Glen Crouchy Road and you're about to you're about to set off in even if it's just a practice session, you I think your nerves are still just as heightened as the they are as a newcomer, and so they should be in a way. I think it's. I think it's good to have have nerves. I think if if you're not nervous, it's something's maybe not right, you know. But it's just trying to it's trying to manage those nerves more than anything. Do
0: you know something that I've wondered, and I don't know whether this is something you do, but now the coverage of things like uh, the MGP is so much greater. You've got photographers everywhere. If you get to see yeah. a photograph of yourself at a particular spot around the course. How easy is it to sit there and think, That's me. That's me doing something completely that well, that some people would think was completely bonkers.
1: Yeah, it's um yeah, that's it's interesting. That that's actually what I've been doing this week. Now things have settled down. I've been contacting all of the photographers to get photos of myself and yeah, I think if if you aren't that into the racing and you saw a photo, you you maybe you maybe wouldn't quite fully understand it, but I think us riders, when you see a photo at a certain point, for example, somewhere like is a good example, or Balakrai, you see a photo and think like, you, you sort of almost transform back into that, that zone of being on the bike and you think like, yeah, that is that is absolutely bonkers what, what we've just done there. And whether that's when you sat back in your own and having a cup of tea after a practice session or it's, you know, even now, two weeks on, Two weeks after the event, and I'm sat at home. Yeah, it's it's still it's still an awful lot to get your head round. And you said there about the coverage from the Manx that the club do a great job now of actually uh, videoing a lot of all of the riders out on certain points of the course, and yeah, you can purchase the, the video footage, which is really really good. Um, a lot of us run on, on board cameras now, so you know I've, I've got some good onboard footage of myself from from this year, which is. Which is good to learn from, but you know I've sat and shown a couple of people it, and even my wife sort of has to has to close her eyes and turn and walk away at certain points because it it look it does look from the outside looking in. I always think it looks a lot more crackers than it it feels for us riders on the bike, and that's not me saying that it's it's tame by any stretch of the imagination. But you know I like to think that we're maybe a bit more in control limit it appears.
0: So we know obviously that the first thing on your agenda is going to be all those DIY jobs and we want to hear in a couple of months that they've all been <laughs> ticked off. But at yeah. some point we know that you're going to turn your attention to next year, what you need to do uh, to get where you want to be. What does
1: 2024 yeah. look likely to hold for you? 2024, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? Um, I'm actually starting to try and be a lot more organised well, no, I'm not disorganized, but I think what happens is when you get back from the Manx and you're exhausted and all you've been staring at for months is your bikes. In the past, I've tended to put them in the garage and sort of forget about them till maybe just after Christmas. And then before you know it, February, March is coming round, and you need to start thinking about getting ready to, to go racing again, to get your signatures, to get your mountain course license and so on, which all needs to be done quite early on in the year. So what I'm trying to do this year is I'm trying to make a steady start on it now in a way rather than leaving myself too much to do after Christmas. But I think 2024 for me, um, I'm hoping to step up to the TT, all being well, which will be an enormous task looking at... You know, some of my... Well, my my machinery needs to be be updated, which is going to be a, a pretty huge expense. And before you called, I was actually just on Microsoft Excel, trying to put something together to make a bit of a plan on on what I'm going to do. Uh, I think in a, in a dream world, I would do the TT on the modern machinery and then come back to the Manx on a, a classic Superbike or something like that. So I get two two bikes of the, the Cherry, which would be would be a dream. But that is definitely a dream at the minute for, for all the reasons we, we've spoken of, you know, financially and time. And, you know, I've not I've not proposed that one to the to the wife yet. That I'd have an extra couple of weeks away racing, so I'm very fortunate that my wife has actually fallen fallen in love with with the Isle of Man as as a vi. So it's it's becoming a bit more easy to justify because she loves coming over to the island, so that helps. But yeah, so you know, I really want to step up to the TT. I've done four years at the Manx now, and I feel like the TT is whilst it's virtually the same event, the TT is the the pinnacle and you touched on sponsorship earlier and one of the difficult things with trying to get sponsorship for the Manx Grand Prix is a lot of people that are outside of the racing haven't, I mean, they've heard of the Manx but they're not, they're not fully aware of it in terms of, you know, I try and explain that it's it's the same course, it's the same number of laps, it's the same everything, you know, so I'm hoping that if I do step up to the TT sponsorship, maybe, a little bit easier to to come by, um, but I absolutely want to still be involved with the Manx, whether that's riding or helping newcomers or spanning for someone, something like that. You know, I, I absolutely still want to be involved with the Manx and trying to to help keep keep it going and keep the focus on it because I, I think the Manx Grand Prix is, is crucial for bringing people through to the whether whether that's just to the Manx Grand Prix to. To achieve that dream which is enough for some people or whether it's it's stepping up to the TT as well and Jim Hunter did that heritage trail this year of people that have gone on to do the TT from the Manx and there's some there's some incredible names there which I think shows how crucial it is that the event keeps going as the a feeder class so to speak.
0: Was the TT then always the dream was that always what you were aiming for?
1: Again I mean I never had sort of hard and fast goals I've kind of I think my, my initial dream was to compete on the, the mountain course which was the Manx Grand Prix and it's only really the sort of the past couple of years I've started thinking about the, the TT as I've got more experienced with with the event. You know, I think that for me, unless you're a top level British superbike rider, I think for me it makes sense to go to the Manx Grand Prix and do your, do your apprenticeship almost at the Manx and I was never thinking, you know, this stage I'll do this, this stage I'll do that. I've kind of just taken every year as it comes um, and it was only probably last year where I started thinking you know, now I want to make the step to the TT so I'm, I'm not sure if it ever was the ultimate dream, maybe a maybe a total pipe dream as a, as a kid stood there in the hedges watching the TT but I don't ever remember saying one day I'm going to do this because it felt a million miles away at, at that stage you know, it was only really when I started competing at the Manx that you start thinking okay well you know this is this is a bit more achievable, and we just need to do this and do that. And you know, you need to find find speed as well, which just comes with practice around the course. It takes you sort of three years, I think, to be totally comfortable in in where you're going around the course, where you're going at speed. I should say. You know, it's we all go and learn the course in the car or on YouTube or whatnot. But when you when you get out there on your own, it's it's a very different it's a very different beast. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if it ever was the ultimate goal, but certainly in the last 18 months, it's, it's been on the top of my my list,
0: definitely has. So one of the things you'll be asking Father Christmas for then is another orange bib for June next year.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, a lot of fruitful money trees, I think, because, uh, you know, I'm finding myself just at a, a point now where my super sport bike's just that little bit too old and I'm looking at... The options for for upgrading that, which is uh, yeah, it's money. I just simply simply don't have at the minute. So I'm trying to trying to come up with a plan, and i sort of, I've been speaking to a couple of people about maybe riding for them as well. Where it is a little bit different where you join a team and maybe pay to ride the the bike that's already there. So I'm trying to be a little bit more a little bit more organised and just you know put a few irons in the fire, so to speak. Because, you know, as we all know, time just goes so fast and I'm conscious that, you know, we'll get to February, March and I'll still have a lot to do. So I'll be asking Father Christmas for a lot of things, I think.
0: It'd be great if you just got paid per DIY job. I reckon they'd be done super quick.
1: Yeah, they would. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably have a lot. My wife would be a lot happier and try to work as much as I can and just, trying to do everything that's feasible whilst maintaining a, a normal standard of living you know and like you asked earlier about the sacrifices I've still got to be a husband at the end of the day and balance all of these things so we'll we'll see what happens but but hopefully you know hopefully sponsorship will be will be easier to come by when, when we go to the TT.
0: Well Jack we wish you all the best over the coming months and look forward to seeing your name on that entry list for the TT where can people keep up to date with what you're doing and how you're getting on?
1: Yeah, so I've got a, a Facebook page which is the the best place which is just Jack Fowler Racing if you search that on Facebook and um, I post on there not so much during the winter naturally but certainly when I'm racing I, I try and post quite a lot if you go back through the post from the Wanks Grand Prix I actually was doing like daily vlogs and I got a big help from uh, a chap called James Maguire who lives on the island who was is doing blogs for me. I'm not just saying this because I'm in them, but I think they're quite a, a good watch. James has done a fantastic job at showcasing a bit more about the racing and how how the sort of day-to-day goings-on are over there and the challenges you face. So if if anyone has got five minutes, if you if you have a look at my Facebook page and, and scroll back through the post, there'll hopefully be something, something of interest there for you and you can keep up to date with with what I'm doing and find ways to contact me on there as well.
0: And Jack, you just very quickly you mentioned your job. Just remind us what you do.
1: Yeah, so I've got quite a, an unusual job. I work for Royal Enfield as a, a test rider, so um, developing sort of prototype and pre production motorcycles before they reach before they reach the market. Um, I've been there about five and a half years now, so quite a while, and um, very bizarre job, very unusual, but. It's great. You know, a lot of my colleagues are are involved in racing as well. You know, Sean Anderson's just joined us this year, who competes at the TT. Uh, Owen Moynihan, who's a newcomer at the Manx this year, he's just joined us as well. So we've got a, a real good camaraderie there, and it's nice to get support from from work to go and do these things I think when I submit my holiday requests it's not so much of a disappointment for them because they're, they're very supportive in, in what I'm doing as well so it's, it's good certainly do live motorbikes almost a little bit too much at times I can just imagine what you all talk about over your tea breaks oh god yeah those tea breaks become a little bit too long I think at times because we can all sit in and natter for hours couldn't we
0: well Jack we wish you all the best for the coming year as I say can't wait to hear how you're getting on thanks so much for talking to us
1: no thank you very much for your time
0: Jack Fowler. And hopefully, as I speak now, he will be knees deep in DIY. If you'd like to tell your story, I would love to hear from you. Bethesby at manxradio.com is the email address, or you can find that link on the podcast page. And until next time, goodbye.